It's now time for Team Talk on ESPN Radio 1017 The Team. 1017 The Team is your home for New Mexico United, the Dallas Cowboys, LA Dodgers, and much more. Now, Team Talk on 1017 The Team. And thank you so, so much for tuning us in. This is Team Talk. I'm Joe Neal. That guy over there, he's Sam Hauser. And we're going to be with you till 5-3-0 today. Then we go to TD Garden in Baston for an even more Sam Hauser action because the Celtics with Sam Hauser, not this Sam Hauser, not the famous Sam Hauser, the guy that went to Wisconsin and Virginia, uh, he and the Celtics are hosting the Lakers. Anytime you have the Celtics and Lakers, you got to get them on the radio. So we'll have that. At 5.30, but in the meantime, we've got some NFL stuff. The Washington Commanders got their coach. The Cowboys lost their defensive coordinator both at the same time. Uh, and other things, including the top five, which, as always, you can hear on demand at 1017theteam.com. We archive all the segments. We archive the top five, and all you got to do is go to 1017theteam.com. We do that daily. So, Sam, let's get right at it, man. Last night, a game that started at 8.30. Well, it didn't actually start at 8.30. It started at 8.45, and had it, you know, had we not been there, we would not have gotten a chance to see it till about 9.05, I think, because the game on before the Lobo game, like, dragged out, like, past 9 o'clock. Yeah, UConn and Providence, they were both in the double bonus for a good chunk of the second half. They were in the bonus for a good chunk of the second half, and then the double bonus, and, yeah, there were, it was about four and a half minutes to go in the first half when it actually came on TV. Okay, there you go, and that that is frustrating, man, you know, um, when you when you can't go to the game and you just want to be able to, like, sit at home and enjoy a Lobo game start to finish, and then you're sitting there keeping track of the score on your phone. I know they, they tell you to go to this place or this place to get it. I mean, come on. So anyway, we were there, so we got to see it from the beginning. I'm convinced Fox Sports 2 doesn't actually exist. I, I've i never searched for it, but if you don't know where to find it, then I will concede that it doesn't exist. All right. Start of the game was not much different than the way the Lobos started against Nevada there, Sam. A nice 10-2 start. Nevada was a 10-0 start. You had Leon Rice asking for that timeout before the under-16 minute timeout. He did it even earlier than Coach Alford, right? Or did Steve do it first? They were they were about six seconds apart. Okay. It, was, it was almost a carbon copy. It really was because you got your all-Mountain West backcourt hitting a three. Sunday night it was Jalen House. This time it was MASH. JT Toppin hits another three in the opening minutes. And you get the coach calling a timeout before the first media timeout. Yeah, they were... I, I, because I, I get nerdy about this stuff. It was six seconds apart. The only difference was Boise State actually had two points this time, but you couldn't have asked for anything better. It was You're thinking to yourself, all right, here we go again. This is why they were double-digit favorites. And then Boise State started looking like the team that's well, been yeah, in the tournament the last couple of years. Exactly. Things settled in, and it was a very competitive game between two of the elite teams in the conference. So now New Mexico has lost its first Mountain West home game. All right? So there's 11 teams in the league, Sam. Of those 11, how many remain 
undefeated at home. Two. It was two. three, and now it's two, and that was the first home loss of any kind this year. Certainly, a right. you know, first loss for the Lobos in Mountain West play, but they were 11-0 and at home going into last night. Now there's two, and there's a and, very... In conference games, there's right. two uh, that have not lost at home. Right. Okay, and those two are San Diego State and Utah State, and there's a very good chance that it's only one by the end of the weekend because big boy Fox Saturday afternoon... Utah State is at Viejas. Yeah, I wouldn't say a very good chance that San Diego State goes down, but a chance that it might be down to one, and that one would be would be Utah Utah State. State. So, so the point I'm trying to make is, all right, the Lobos lost last night. Uh, the sky is still above that, our heads. That, that, that that's what I was going to say. The sky. Uh, the last time the sky fell was on January 9th against UNLV, okay? The sky was falling then, and things have gone pretty well since then, all right? Uh, Granted, um, Boise led for two-thirds of that game. Uh, Like, after New Mexico jumped out to that 10-2 start, Boise had led for most of the game, including uh, by three at the half, all right? Okay. and so they led for 27 minutes in the game, uh, roughly. The Lobos led for nine minutes in the game. But throw all that out. With a little over seven minutes to go, this game is 67-67. And a lot of people, you said that you were thinking at the 10-2 start that this was the time where New Mexico might run them out. There were, like, there were people like me sitting there, all right, well, this is when the Lobos turn it on and... At 67, or at uh, the tie game, 67 apiece. Seven seven minutes to go. Uh, There was nothing that made me think that they wouldn't finish out and win the game at that point, Sam. I mean, I I know Boise, like I said, had led primarily throughout the game. But at that point, you had so much confidence in what we've seen in this Lobo team that I... I thought that um, you know they were going to somehow pull it out. Forget the ten and a half or whatever the right. the, the yeah, spread right. was. They just win the game, right? And if, and if that would have been the case, this would have been a really nice win. This is really just game recognizes game today. I know it stunk. I I felt it walking out of the pit last night, and you know we're supposed to be a little bit separated from this, but nobody felt good walking out of there. That hurt. That stunk. It didn't feel good. But as you step back and you think about it, we get more removed from the game. This really is game recognizes game because everything that we've praised the Lobos for and how they got to this five-game winning streak where they're kicking sand on these teams and giving them wedgies and kicking them over the side of the Rio Grande, everything that they were doing, they're getting all this national love. Oh, the Lobos are back, the Lobos this, and, and that hasn't gone away. But everything that they were doing, Boise State, did what you have to do to come into the pit and win a game when the when the Lobos are beating San Diego State by 20, Utah State by 20, Nevada by 30 plus. You know how much it takes for a team to come in there and win so when they do, yeah, respect. Respect. Tip of the cap, all those kind of things. So they got Boise's best shot last night. Everything clicked. I'm not going to say we jinxed it because we went over the the you know the field goal percentages for Boise State yesterday. I, mean, I don't believe in jinxes, but you know we were talking about quite frankly how poorly they shoot the ball. I, I mean, I'll while just also say it. saying that this could also be the night that that all goes it, away, that, and that's what I'm saying. 
like, but the odds were against oh, that. Of course and they why were. is that? Because the Lobos had ranked in the, been ranked in the top 25 in defensive efficiency. So, like, okay, you're always going to be wary of a team to get hot one game that's underperforming, but it's not usually against an upper echelon defensive team like the Lobos. So here's what I'm talking about when it comes to, and we broke it down yesterday, like the, the whole thing about, oh, how, what's, something's got to give. It's the number one offense against the number one defense. Well, we we told you, I think that Boise was playing in the high 60s, not because they were this extraordinary defensive team. I'm sure they are a very good defensive team. Um but it was because they were playing games where they themselves couldn't get the ball in the basket. Uh, and that, you know, like, and, and last night it, they did. So I, I pulled the, their uh, individual shooting percentages for their Mountain West games. This is why, uh, like, so the Lobos ended up scoring um, 78 points. So it's not like Boise, like, played that tough defense and held them well below their average. It was like two, two, three points under their average, I would guess it would be. The difference was that Boise scored 16 points more than their average had been, all right? Uh, so that's where, like, this one versus one thing, you know, throw that out the window because you had an underperforming offensive team in Boise State, and it gelled last night. Uh, the combination of, of Coach Rice, like, having an excellent game plan. We're constantly praising Coach Richard Patino for the game plans that he comes up with. Uh, the players, again, from Boise State not getting rattled in front of an unbelievable late-night crowd on a Wednesday night there in the pit. So uh, here's here's Boise's Mountain West games up until last night. Okay, They got a W against San Jose State earlier in the year where they shot 49% from the field, including uh, 44% from behind the three-point line. Okay, so now Boise, who didn't shoot the ball well in the non-conference, they start out and they're shooting the ball like you would think they would. The team that was been to back-to-back NCAA tournaments, picked second in the league. Well, then their Mountain West schedule includes a game at uh, against Colorado State. They shoot 39 from the field, 33 from three. Nevada, 41 from the field, 22 from three. UNLV, 39 from the field, 28 from three. San Diego State, 39 from the field, 37 from three. All right. Fresno, 46 from the field, 34 from the field. And then against Utah State in a game that went into overtime. Uh, they ended up shooting 40% from the field, 32% from the field, from the three point line. Last night, they were pretty much sh- shooting 49% from the field. 33 from behind the three. So those were like much, much better production, field goal percentage production than Boise had been, you know, showing us. And it was against the team in the Lobos that had been statistically performing very well on defense. Well, and let's not bury a key part of this. You're going through these games. Three of those games where they shot under 40% from the game were on their home floor. That they were they've been having trouble shooting the basketball and it, you know we like we'll just use this, the the small example of the whole free throw line thing how it can be contagious field goal percentage can be contagious too and this team had uh, the uh, a, a, a bout with the the flu of of poor field goal percentage well uh that wasn't the case last night um 
they, uh, you know, they, they, they against a, a very good Lobo defense statistically, uh, were able to, to really do damage in most uh, every part of the court, but primarily Max Rice, who we talked about as well going into the game, who was due to have a breakout game. Here's why I didn't think that it wasn't like, oh, he's only shooting 28%, you know, from three point land for the season, or he had been shooting a horrible percentage in the non conference and been getting better. But regardless, we were saying it doesn't matter. They're going to be picking Max Rice up before he crosses half court because he's got that kind of range or whatever. I, w- I was so impressed with the way that he moves off the ball to get open. Uh, he He's able to run through traffic, and those guys that he's running through know their, uh, their job in that case is to somehow get in the way of whoever's chasing Max Rice around. So, like, despite having outstanding defenders on him, Rice was able to get l- space uh, throughout the game and then, boom, Splash City. Uh, he shoots 7 of 14 from behind the three. After he, uh, First shot was an air ball, by the way. That's right. Yeah, that really, really shook him up when the crowd was going, air ball, air. Yeah, that, he really got, you know. Very well choreographed, too. I mean, he would pass the ball, and as soon as he would get it back, right back to it. Yeah, but then th- that didn't go no, very didn't deep into the no. game. <laughs> the air ball thing was, was great while it lasted, but... He wasn't just making shots, and his his shots weren't like banking off the backboard. And I don't know if half of them even touched the rim. Sam, I mean, there's there's some guys that are snapping the net. His balls were going through the rim so beautifully; it was like they were falling through like a a pillowcase. I'm going to give Scott uh, Scott Galetti credit for this one, where they were. Kind of air balls in the sense that they weren't touching the net, but they were going in. <laughs> That's a good one. Nice job on that, Scotty G. Yeah, yeah. He, he, he shot an air ball that that missed like everything, and then he made seven shots that missed everything but the net. All right, now I got to ask because we've gone through the definition of this before. You got to back me up on this one. Some of those he was just chucking them up, right? Like we we talked about, you're chucking <sighs> it up. You're not really putting up a shot. It's just especially some of the ones late, there were a few that he's just chucking up because when because they're heat checks at that point. They, they I, The one that was at the very end yeah. would have just like been, like, stop the game right there. Let's just move up the ramp and whatever. Like, there was one where he was in a groove. He was, he was in uh, such a groove and his rhythm that it not only showed uh, from, you know, the downtown threes, what was he doing on some of those driving baskets that he made? You know, some people are known to be a, above the rim when they're driving the ball to the basket, like Donovan Dent. Max Rice is making shots where he's below the net, like utilizing like high off the square. He's using underhand spins. He's doing everything. At 35 points, the highest point total for a Boise State team since uh, Marks, right? In, 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 in 2012. And then another a good one here from Jay Tust out of KTVB in Boise. Most points this season on the road against a ranked team. Most points. Uh, one more time. Most points in a game on the road against a ranked opponent. It, 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 this season in all of college basketball. In all of college. In all of college basketball. The 
highest individual point total in a game that was against the top 25 team. In all of college basketball this entire season. So, yeah, I I mean, you're feeling stinky about this one as as a Lobo fan, and it's not even... The move today isn't even, oh, you know, Boise State got lucky. Boise State, you know, just made some shots. I I mean, they they did everything that you have to do to go in there, but it also does make you realize as a Lobo fan that, look, the blessing of sports is you can have your night, and the Lobos have certainly had plenty of their nights, and now it's the point where you're getting every team's A-plus game, and if you don't have your A-plus game, then some of those shots are going to end up being a difference in the game. Yeah, and I could hear like Leon Rice after the games. All right, guys, isn't it a lot easier uh, when we can make some shots? You know, isn't basketball a lot more fun when we can make some shots? Uh, so not only was it Rice, it, it just seemed to be. Uh, Everybody clicking, you know, Agbo, you know, hitting a couple of threes uh, that looked big time as well. Um, You know, the the offense, you know, one thing about the Lobos, you you do start three guards, all right? Donovan Dent, let's just give him 6'2", 6'3", and then we'll give House and Mashburn, you know, somewhere around 5'11", 6'0". All right, The, the benefit of that is you have three guys that are capable at any point when the team has the ball on offense to get to the rim and score. I mean that that's what happens is bigger guys are it's hard for them to to stay in front of them to the point where they don't punish them with easy baskets. We saw Donovan Dent punish them with easy baskets. Other than those drives, which are not easy baskets, I mean, those were difficult shots that he was making that, you know, again goes to how impressive he is. Other than that, um, the those three guard, uh, you know, that we weren't seeing a whole lot of other easy shots. Remember, last four or five games, talk about shooting percentages inside the three point line. The Lobos were sitting around 60 percent for for the the shots were were they were getting didn't seem to be uh, as good of a shot, which you would expect against a good team in Boise State. Um, but uh, and not even just that, but. Some of the you, you start to look at some of the commonalities, and there's all those things that you're saying. But there's also then you start going into some of those matchups when you have the three guards out there, and and even with Nelly and J, and JT, and and we can all and look, we can also look at this as an aberration because the Lobos weren't getting steals, they weren't creating turnovers, and that's when they start to blow away games. But you start to look at too. You go back to the last two losses now. And when you have those guys that that play stretch four that can move around as well as you know as well as the Boone brothers as well as Dagenhart and Abbo and you know and those guys didn't necessarily light up the scoreboard but it's the domino effect of what they do and how it opens things up for everything else as much ground as your fours can cover that is going to be something that these guys are going to have to going to have to look at. I mean, not every team has a player that can do that, but just in terms of being ready for it. Okay, I'm going to put you on the spot. You had some sound about uh, from Coach Patino, I think, yesterday, about facing the size uh, of Boise State. And, you know, I, I heard that, but in most cases, the Lobos go into games undersized. Like I said, you for you got three guards going, you know, 6'2 and under, 6'3 and under, so... Like it's not like you're going to be playing many teams where the Lobos will have a height advantage, okay? But when Coach Richard Patino was talking about the size 
of Boise State. It's I was you know here was Coach Patino talking about the size of Boise State before the game. Yeah, I mean we've got to kind of decide what we want to do there. Um, Stanley, uh, I gave my dad crap. I said he was in St. John's. He was a really good player. You should have found a way to keep him. Um, but they're like interchangeable four or fives, and um, Stanley's playing well as of late. You know, and and so you're going to have to decide how you want to guard those guys. And it's not, although Dagenhart's been in the league longer, uh, Stanley's one of the best transfers in the league. So, uh, and he's physical and he's quick and he's long and he can make shots now. Um, so everybody, JT, who, whoever guards Stanley, whoever guards Dagenhart, uh, they've got to be ready. So, um, again, it's something that the Lobos – Got to be ready for each game, a, a, a size differential, I would say, in most cases, okay? Where where I think it really showed uh, the size of Boise State w- was on the offensive glass, okay? There wasn't a big disparaging uh, disparagement in, in the offensive rebounds. Boise State with 13 offensive rebounds, the Lobos with 11. But it seemed like more because... Boise State was converting those offensive rebounds. 17 points on second chance uh, opportunities off of the offensive rebounds uh, in the 13. Lobos, 11 offensive rebounds. They had nine. But just you, you got this like feeling that they were, Lobos were getting beat up on the offensive glass. And that comes sometimes because, you know, you, you're second, you know, you're third, fourth, and, you know, your one, two, and three, meaning your guards uh, and your wing, uh, like, you know, you got to depend on them for, for for rebounding as well. And I think Boise State's size advantage showed itself a little bit on the offensive glass as a bigger team collectively. All right? Another thing that made me realize how big they were is when they showed at different times that one three one uh zone defense which the lobos got a couple of buckets off of but uh, the length that they had across the middle the one three one obviously somebody at the top of the key three guys across the free throw line and one on the baseline and when those guys those three were had their arms out it was almost like they were going sideline to sideline so uh, anyway, you know, here's the thing. Very good scout, I would say. You'd have to give the Boise State coaching staff a thumbs up on the scout. Oh, by the way, Larry Eustacey, was, you know, B.J. Reigns told us, he's, he said long-haired guy uh, now, you know, he's he's a consultant to Coach Leon Ross. Right. I, and for people that are here, who is... Um, who are we talking Larry about? Stacey. Larry Stacy, Southern Miss. Uh, Southern Miss, Colorado State, yep. too. Colorado State, where he was really successful, Sam, was at Iowa State. He, I think, took the team to the Marcus Pfizer and Iowa State to the Final Four. And sometime Google the blow-up he had during the Final Four, I believe, uh, in the NCAA tournament. It was legendary. So, Anyway, you Stacy now an advisor to Leon Rice, and I didn't see any long-haired guys, but then I saw a guy with a man bun, and obviously there's Larry Stacy there, just like Dave Filipovich is helping Coach Richard Patino, the former Air Force coach. Uh, we saw Larry Stacy there on the sideline, but anyway, regardless. Tip of the cap to Boise State for for having a good scout, a good game plan, and I'm sure that the teams that the Lobos will face the remaining balance of the season, those teams are going to be like studying what Boise did. I know 
a lot of it comes down to Jalen House having a really uh, off shooting night, but I think there were some other things too that Boise was doing that that didn't get New Mexico flowing uh, like they normally would, and maybe it was just no little. One last thing on this: if you don't think them playing Sunday night till about ten thirty uh, before playing this game on Wednesday night was any factor at all, I think we're kidding ourselves. I, I, I I'm not ready to. Go. You see how far down on the list I brought this up, Sam? It's very low on the list because I'm not taking anything away. But I'm telling you, I know they're early twenties uh, kids. But not only did you have that late game, it was a an emotional game. It was. Uh, it it was, was an emotional game. I'm not into trap games. You know, like just like San Diego State was an emotional win. Well, they came back and played even better against Utah State. But I just think I I saw. You know, between the emotion attached to the Nevada, um, and you know, not and the quick turnaround. Um, hey, they're all human, and uh, their legs might have been a little heavy last night. They, they might have been. My only pushback to that would be, I would be a little bit more willing to to buy into that if the game was Tuesday night instead of Wednesday night. I mean, usually you go Saturday to Tuesday. Instead, this was Sunday to Wednesday. So, I mean. It's is it real? Uh, yeah, you played Sunday night. Had you played Sunday day, it would have been maybe a, a different better. story. But it's about the same turnaround. Uh, I, I, do they do they always play Saturday Tuesday, or is there a lot of Saturday Wednesday? I, I know there are some Saturday Tuesday, but I thought uh, well anyway. Uh, and you know, and remember when you say Sunday. Those guys got home at probably one in the morning uh, or something like, well, they played, they got done at 1030, you know, by the time you get something to eat or whatever, you know, that was, they were stretching it late, late Sunday. Uh, and then you're playing again. Totally and fair. maybe And maybe it's not even the, the physical, but I mentioned the emotional uh you know, come down a little bit off of uh, the the game against Nevada. You know, and, and the and, rock and pit, and right? All, everything, you know. And a big part of that come down, and this is going to be, you know, this obviously one of the things we're going to hear a lot from Coach Patino, and we heard it last night, and we'll continue to is is learning from this. It's a little bit further down on the things that we really don't think about as far as learning from this. It's not even just schematically what you're going to learn from this, because I, given what we saw. My level of concern going from UNLV into Utah State and San Diego State, the adjustment they made as far as what Utah State took away from getting the ball inside, getting the ball to JT and Nelly, they only had nine shots last night. So you've already learned how to kind of work your way around that. They'll they'll do that again. That is a very underrated part of this, not even just the Sunday to Wednesday part of it, but as much as Coach Patino talks about kind of riding the waves and trying to keep everything as even keel as possible for these guys to be able to do that. They weren't, there was no overconfidence last night, but they have been put on this place where they're at the top of the tallest roller coaster in the country. And that's going to be something for, you know, obviously you want to get back there now, but as far as managing that, that I could certainly understand. Well, any way you cut it, New Mexico is now uh, six and three in Mountain West play, eighteen and four overall. They're tied for second place with Boise State at six and three in conference play. All right, we've heard what Sam had to say. We've heard you've heard what I've had to say. Let's when we come back, let's hear what Coach Richard Patino has to say about last night's game. You're listening to Team Talk, Sam Hauser, Joe O'Neill, one oh one seven the team.